Hello to all of you Foxborough faithful. It's finally Friday, folks. It's your fair and objective Friday episode of Locked On Patriots, your daily home for news, notes, and analysis infused with the occasional opinion on your six-time Super Bowl champions, the New England Patriots. I am Mike DeBate, your host of Locked On Patriots, a proud part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Please feel free to reach out to me and follow me on Twitter at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-F-P-C, and while you're out there roaming the Twitterverse, be sure to follow Locked On Patriots as well at LO underscore Patriots. Patriots fans, you might be wondering why I referred to today's episode as Fair and Objective Friday. And I don't think there's any of you out there that question my fandom, but I'm also someone that covers the team. But if I'm being honest, folks, sometimes that can be a slippery slope. I assure you that I always do my best to remain fair and balanced when it comes to my coverage of the New England Patriots. But when you're a fan, sometimes things can cloud your judgment a little bit. And with that being said, when I need a little dose of objectivity, I seek out the wisdom and counsel of those journalists that I admire the most. And today, right here on Locked On Patriots, I am very pleased to welcome one of those journalists in as my guest. Russell S. Baxter, a pro football guru, will join me shortly. And Russell always takes a balanced and level-headed approach to sports media. Trust me, folks, that is not an easy thing to do. Russell makes it look easy because he's simply one of the best at what he does. And today, I will ask his impressions on the 2019 NFL season overall, and of course, this being Locked On Patriots, I'm going to ask him what his thoughts on what the Patriots 2020 roster might look like. You think I'm going to ask him about Tom Brady, folks? Hmm. Nah, you know I'm going to ask him about Tom Brady, because even though Tom's whereabouts has been the topic of conversation here on Locked On, almost every opinion, including my own, has come from a Patriots lens. But Russell is going to be providing a much-needed voice of reason when it comes to the Patriots, especially when it comes to their approach to free agency, and of course, whether Tom Brady will be back in New England when the 2020 season begins. So sit tight, folks. Russell is a fountain of football knowledge. He's a dear friend of mine, and I am honored to welcome him as my guest today. I know that you'll learn a lot from him, as I always do, and I sincerely hope that you enjoy today's podcast. But before I welcome Russell in to join me today, sports talk like that which you hear on Locked On Patriots each and every day generally leads itself to talk about physical fitness. Let's face it, we talk about it a lot. Conditioning, injuries, you name it. But there's another side to the game, a side that's just as important, and I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with NBA superstar LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron James and for so many of your favorite athletes, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. In fact, LeBron often says getting a good night's sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things that he can do for his body and his mind. And if you head to Calm.com slash LockedOn, you'll get 40% off a Calm Premium membership. For example, Calm gives you access to the soothing sounds of nature like rain or leaves and so much more. Sleep stories, meditations, it's all there in the app. So unlock the content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at Calm.com slash LockedOn. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash LockedOn. Patriots fans, my guest today is among the most well-respected journalists in sports media. You know his amazing work and objective analysis from outlets such as ESPN, fan-sided, NFL Spin Zone, just to name a few. He is the co-founder of PFG Vibe, who along with our mutual friend, the great and talented Julie Voigt, they do amazing work for that site. He is also the founder of ProFootballGuru.com. He is 
the one of the greatest guys in the business and has been such an indelible mentor for me. It's my honor to welcome Russell S. Baxter back to Locked On Patriots. Russell, thank you for joining me today. Well, hello, Mike. How you doing? Um, you know, we don't have a – I can't say we don't have football this weekend um, because <laughs> we have the football. But, we, you know, we, we don't have any NFL games. But uh, as I have told people over the last couple months, as a writer – I get more people to read my stuff this time of the year because the appetite for football with free agency and um, the draft and all that. You know, during the football season, you know, people are busy watching football. Now people will be busy reading about football for the next three or four months, um, you know. But the XFL is coming up. You know what's going to happen there. You know, maybe down the road somebody in that league winds up getting another shot at, at the NFL. Uh, football year-round. I, I miss the old USFL, i got to be honest with you. Yeah, I think a lot of people are taking that approach, especially when it comes to the XFL. And, uh, you know, I've been talking with a lot of people that have apprehensions about it, and they remember the last incarnation of the XFL. And I think that might be a little bit of a mistake. Give it a chance, folks. The AAF failed because of poor money management and because of poor business acumen. It wasn't really necessarily because of the quality of uh, product that we were seeing on the field. There was some pretty good football there. And the USFL, obviously, you know, you harken back to those days and that was a great time for football fans. And I think having the concept of year-round football and being able to go deep into April with some professional action and then leading you right into mini camps and training camp is something that I think football fans are definitely happy about. So Russell always gives excellent uh, coverage, and I recommend anything that he does, and I'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but Russell... Coming on to Locked On Patriots today, you always bring a level-headed approach, and it's one of the things I admire most about you, my friend. And really, when it comes to, I open today's show by saying that you would be the voice of reason when looking at the potential of Tom Brady leaving New England and the national narrative surrounding the Pats for the 2020 season. But first, it was an exciting season in the NFL in 2019 overall. There were plenty of great storylines and obviously ending with the Kansas City Chiefs defeating the San Francisco 49ers to win Super Bowl 54, that city's first Super Bowl title in over 50 years. Before we look ahead to the future, Russell, what were your lasting impressions of the 2019 NFL season, and what did we see overall in the league in 2019 that could indicate what we might see in 2020? Well, it's a league uh, that has really become something you can't judge after three, four, five weeks. Uh, we saw the Cowboys 3-0. and We saw the Rams 3-0. and um, We saw the Titans 2-4. and um, you, you really, it's, I know there's a knee-jerk reaction to draw conclusions early on, um, start talking about the playoffs after, you know, opening day, um, et cetera, et cetera, and I'm exaggerating <laughs> a little bit, but, you know, you really got to watch it play out. It's when you're playing your best football. And, and, and that's why I thought the Chiefs would win last week, because even though I think from top to bottom the roster and the talent of the San Francisco 49ers might be superior, the Chiefs had found their group. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it came as much on defense as it did offensively. Did you notice that Kansas City didn't come anywhere close to scoring the amount of points that they did last year? The last year they scored 565 points, the third most in the season. Of course, they also didn't even come close to giving up as many points as they did last year. Last year, uh, Mike, it was 421 
This year during the regular season was 308. Uh-huh. Um, that's, that's about seven points a game. And the thing that was so intriguing to me about just how the season unfolded is we heard this, you know, clamoring of the, the great defensive team, the 49ers, against the great offensive team in the Chiefs, and just a quirky little thing. San Francisco scored more points this, than Kansas City this year. And Kansas City gave up fewer points than San Francisco, which told you it was going to be a, a very even matchup. And, of course, we saw Kansas City fall behind, which I guess something they're very comfortable in doing in the playoffs. They did it in every one of their games and, and, and then rallied. And, um, you know, the kind of football now where you're seeing teams kind of getting back a little to the running game, um, you know, that was an endangered – the running back was an endangered species there for a while. Um, we had 16 players run for 1,000 yards, including Lamar Jackson. That was the most in, in, the, in the league in seven years. Um, the previous two years, I think it was nine and nine. So you saw what Derrick Henry did and helped catapult the, the Tennessee Titans into the AFC Championship game. You saw the comeback year uh, by Ryan Tannehill. Um, but this is a league of – Ups and downs. And hand, how you handle the ups and how you handle the downs is what sets you up for postseason success. That's why it's amazing what New England has done um, being in the playoffs uh, so many consecutive years, what, 11 consecutive years, which you know, it dwarfs the old record now um, of nine and 11 straight division titles, which was the old record was seven. Um, but yeah, I know I'll get into New England afterwards. But back to the Chiefs for a second. After being 6-4, and four, I think their defense kind of settled in. I'm not saying they played great defense in the playoffs, but better than you think. Uh, well, the Texans scored 31 points. Well, one of those was a blocked punt, and one of them was set up by a buck kick. Um, so Steve Spagnuolo gets a little credit. Um, you know, he's been the architect of some Super Bowl-winning defenses. He's also been the architect of some really bad defense, to be bluntly honest. But Kansas City, later in the year, started to play what – it's a term that you know, New England fans know way about complimentary football. Um, rather than, okay, well, we're going to score a lot of points and whatever we give up, we ever give up. Not, I will right. never forget last year that Kansas City scored 40 and 31 against the Patriots and lost both games. This year they went up to New England and even come close to that. Absolutely. So – you know, this, this idea that offense wins this – by the way, uh, how many points did the Ravens score this year? 531. Okay? Um, didn't get to the AFC Championship game. I believe my math tells me that's now the 12 highest scoring teams in NFL history. None of them have a Super Bowl win. Absolutely. And, you know, New England fans know that feeling well. Uh, you know, 2007 was about the highest powered offense that New England has seen in, in quite some time. Uh, maybe the, the highest powered we'll ever see again. And um, they were not victorious despite going seven, despite going 18-0 and heading into that game. They finished Peyton the season Manning, 18-1. and Yeah, Peyton Manning and the Broncos in 2006, points. They, they lost a heartbreaker to the Seahawks in the Super Bowl by 35 points. Right. So, you know, I mean, it's, it just goes to show you as much as the game changes, there's certain things that will never change. And, uh, you know, come, and by the way, comebacks in the Super Bowl now, Mike, you know, it used to be you couldn't come back from a double-digit deficit. 
Now it's kind of regular. I'll, I'll, I'll give you this one. First 48 Super Bowls, only twice did a team come back from 10 points and win the Super Bowl. That was the Redskins mm-hmm. in Super Bowl 22, and then 22 years later, the Saints in Super Bowl 44. We've now seen it happen three times in six years. Amazing. Truly, truly amazing. And having been on the rooting interest on the positive side for two of those comebacks when it came to Mm -hmm. Super Bowl 49 and Super Bowl 51, it's one that the New England Patriots fan base knows very well. And something that I think a lot of the teams out there, and not just tying it into New England, but you mentioned Kansas City uh, falling behind. It's something that they did early on in the season. I actually saw an article uh, the other day when I was, uh, you know, wrapping up my coverage for the NFL for 2019. And, uh, I love analogies, and uh, I know you do as well. We like pl- puns, play on words, things of that nature. I saw someone compare the Kansas City Chiefs to the racehorse Seabiscuit, who used to like to give up the lead a little bit in order to get mm-hmm. that fire back in his belly to be able to then blow away his opponent, similar to what he did in, uh, in the match race against War Admiral. And it kind of made me chuckle a little bit. I'll be honest with you. My eyebrow raised a little bit, and I went, oh, here we go. They're going to compare. Why are they doing this? But it almost makes a little bit of sense, and I think that it is a changing of the guard when you take a look at teams that do fall behind they have the confidence in their own ability to be able to do that. And Kansas City certainly peaked at the right time. So well, interesting. I, 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 I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay, you bring up an excellent point because I used to say this about the Indianapolis Colts. And how many times did we see the Indianapolis Colts rest people at the end of the year? We have home field advantage locked up. Um, you know, go on to interest run. The year they finally won that Super Bowl, they were a three seed. They had to play the extra playoff game. They had to host the Chiefs and then go to Baltimore. And then as the three, they hosted New England, the AFC Championship game. I'll have to remind you, they were down 18 in that game. So sometimes when it looks like you're kind of coasting, okay, um, I don't want to say it comes easy to you, but in some ways I think that can be – I think one of the things that hurt Baltimore at the end of the year was the fact that Lamar Jackson and several several of those guys – Several of those starters did not play week 17, Mike. So, yep. in essence, they had three weeks off. And with that kind of an offense, which is based a lot on rhythm along with power, I think that wound up costing them dearly. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. Even though mentally I don't believe those guys took the foot off of the accelerator, mm-hmm. I think the physical taking the foot off the accelerator can cause you difficulty. It can cause rust. It can cause uh, you know a disruption of your timing. So much of the way the game is played right now is so predicated on timing. I think that's a great point, Russell, and I'm so glad that you brought that up. Even just something bringing up like the running game of uh, you know teams and, and the reemergence of the running game that we've seen the last couple of years – I think that is a very interesting point. So that's something well, I think so we will see in 2020 is these teams pushing forward. Yeah, so much was made about San Francisco's running game, and rightfully so, especially coming off of 285 yards about the Green Bay Packers. But I don't think people paid attention to how many times Andy Reid was actually running the ball um, down the stretch and in the playoffs. And I'm big as, as much big on attempts as I am carries. And it's funny, they would have had – a lot more rushing yards in the Super Bowl, except for those last couple of kneel downs by Patrick Mahomes. But, you know, Damian Williams had over 100 yards rushing. So he it's, did. About, it's about keeping the other team off season, off balance. Um, and more importantly, it's about not abandoning what you think you can do well, even though you fall behind. And I think the confidence 
that Kansas City got in those comebacks. I mean, think about it. They're down and down big early, double digits in both games, 24 and 10. And yet, by halftime, they had the lead. So um, this time they had to wait a little longer. Um, and maybe, you know, listen, we've seen this in the Super Bowl for so many years now. The first quarter of the Super Bowl, especially if you haven't been there, even the Patriots who have been there so many times have had, what, have they never scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl, I think, in the first quarter uh, yeah. in New England <laughs> under Brady and Belichick? The nerves? Um, that, that's true. <laughs> it, 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 for if you haven't been there, and, you know, not every New England Patriots played in all the Super Bowls that Tom Brady has, Nerves are a big factor early in that game. Sometimes you're too revved up. Um, I, re- I remember going back when Pittsburgh and Dallas played the last time. Greg Lloyd, really excitable, great pass rusher. I mean, I don't think there's you know football fans know who he is. I mean, he was jumping up and down at a position the, like in the entire first quarter, maybe into the second quarter, and Dallas took advantage of that. They absolutely did, and that amp up that type of adrenaline that flows through you when you play on the biggest stage your sport has to offer. And really, I think you can make the argument that the Super Bowl is the biggest stage in professional sports. All eyes are on you without any question. It is. It really is intimidating, and it can get to players. You know, players, I've had the opportunity to speak with Matthew Slater, who always brings that back to the point where you need to keep your feet on the ground. It's something that mm-hmm. always he preaches always to his teammates and say, you have to be aware of your surroundings, but you have to remember that your surroundings are where you're most at home, and that's the football field. Yeah. Try to block everything out, but sometimes it's easier said than done. The moment can Absolutely. get to even the greatest athlete, and I think that's a great, great point, Russell. Yeah. As we put the bow on 2019, and I'm glad that you gave us a national perspective on the, the season as a whole, but this is Locked on Patriots. That is where the allegiance of our listeners lie. And the average Patriots fan, Russell, as you know, they expect the team to at least compete for a Super Bowl title, and usually the expectation is for them to win one. It may not be realistic all years, but that's always the expectation. And my fearless leader, Jay Soderberg, and I spoke about on Wednesday about the fact that that is the expectation here in New England, whether you like it or whether you don't. But there is a new Super Bowl champion, and we talked about that in the Kansas City Chiefs. Really, I think a lot of people consider an AFC juggernaut. And not just the Chiefs, but there's been the emergence of the Baltimore Ravens, the Tennessee Titans, even the Houston Texans, and a lot of other teams that suffered some injuries this year that could make a push in 2020. I I hearken back to the Indianapolis Colts, who I thought were contenders earlier on in this season, and Mm -hmm. obviously the retirement of Andrew Luck and some of the injuries they had contributed to that team not competing at a higher level as I thought. But there is a lot of national-level thinking right now that seems to believe that the Patriots might no longer be the de facto favorites, not just in the AFC, but throughout the NFL. I don't think anyone rational, and I say that with some (laughs) tongue-in-cheek, is burying the Patriots organization just yet, but do you believe that there's been a turning of the tide regarding the national perception of the New England Patriots, especially as they head toward 2020? I think... Just in reading what I go, I, I see what I always see. When New England shows any kind of crack in the armor, okay, it can't be just a crack. It has to be a fissure for some reason, okay? And right. a lot of that, I think, is to a degree resentment. Um, but it also, I think, is how do they keep on doing this? I mean, we haven't seen – if New England has a winning season, 
next year, it will be 20 in a row, and that will tie the record by the Dallas Cowboys from 1966 to 85, 20 consecutive winning seasons. But Dallas didn't go to as many Super Bowls over that span as the New England Patriots have and certainly haven't won as many over that span. So they've kind of separated themselves. That's why I, you know, I, I like to separate the difference between the greatest team ever, Mike, and mm-hmm. the greatest dynasty ever. To right. me, the Patriots are the greatest dynasty ever. Um, and, you know, to me, would be second would be the 49ers from the mid-'80s all, you know, throughout most of the 90s. Dynasty is sustained excellence. Not three or four years. I'm talking about nine or ten. Okay? It doesn't mean you have to win the Super Bowl every year. That's why I remember friends of mine giving me a little blowback on when the Patriots won three of their first four Super Bowls. Okay? But they missed right. the playoffs in 2002. So that's kind of like a, a donut hole. To me, that's not a dynasty. I'm sorry. I understand three titles in four years. Well, the Cowboys did that. But the Cowboys were in the playoffs in 91, and then the playoffs in 96, and then 98, and 99. So it's a long stretch, okay? Right. The the Patriots have set a new standard for dynasty in the National Football League in a sport where we have now seen 100 years and 100 seasons, I should say, and the longest run of any championships by an NFL team consecutive years is three. It's not a sport that lends itself. It's not like basketball or hockey or baseball where you can win five, six, eight in a row. It just doesn't happen. So what New England had done has been amazing. Um, I always kind of lean as, as far as the defending Super Bowl champions um, as, the, as the team to beat. But I think it's still far too early. We don't know what the Patriots are going to look like. We don't know what any of these teams are going to look like. Um, you know, Kansas City has some guys they obviously want to bring back. Chris Jones is is certainly one of them. The Patriots obviously have some free agent question marks with Jamie Collins and Kyle Van Noy. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think Matthew Slater's on that list as well. He is. Is a potential free agent. And then I heard, you know, some guy who throws the football could be a potential free agent. Um, <laughs> which I get the feeling we're going to be talking about very shortly. Yeah, so I heard about that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you don't know from year to year what's going to happen. I will say this about the Chiefs. Okay, let's not forget that they own the second longest current playoff streak in the league. Okay, so there's a lot to be said for that. You know, um, it's fought with five in a row. They missed in 14. They made, they made it there Andy's first year, which was 2013. Missed in 14 and have been in the playoffs five straight years. Of course, New England is yep. 11. Um, and I, I want to say the, the next two in line, I think, are Philly and New Orleans with three. And that's it. So, yes. um, you know, you know, it wasn't long ago that Green Bay was in there eight years in a row. Okay? So that, to me, is something you keep an eye on. That's why I think I, Kansas City, I don't know about Baltimore yet. I've seen Baltimore in the way they are for a year and a half. I don't know about Baltimore. I'm not ready to put Baltimore on that um, steady contender list despite a very, very big year by their own, because I want to see what's going to happen this year. And we see it a lot with these teams who come out with offenses that are more offensively geared than defensively geared. What is going to be adjustment? It's not a matter of adjusting to Lamar Jackson. It's a matter of adjusting to Greg Roman's offense. 
I think a great, great point. And again, that's the reason that we bring you on here at Locked On Patriots to give that level-headed approach. And I think to balance out both sides. Uh, you made a very good uh, point about the fact that it's way too early to determine whether or not dynasties are either born or dead or anything like that. We don't know what these teams are going to look like in 2020. Free agency has not begun yet. Uh, you know, the draft has not occurred yet. Team building has not occurred. So in all of those factors, it's very difficult to say, oh, well, this team is not going to compete next year or this team will. We have to see what these rosters look like. On the flip yeah. side, there's also – I'm I, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I was going to say this, Mike. If New England by chance misses the playoffs next year, that doesn't mean the dynasty's over, okay? You have to miss it a couple of years at least and show a downward trend. I mean, let's not forget from 2001 to 2019, they haven't been in the playoffs every year. They missed in 2002. They missed in 2008 even though they finished 11-5. and five. They still had winning records. So... Again, I think there's an element of, you know, Patriots fatigue, just like there was Cowboys fatigue, just like there was 49ers fatigue. It's funny. Everybody, supposedly everybody loves a winner. I haven't been convinced of that yet. <laughs> it's true. I think, you know, heavy lies the head that wears the crown. And I think in a lot of ways, uh, the Patriots, uh, you know, organization can definitely understand that. We see it in all professional sports. We see it sure. when it comes to either the Los Angeles Lakers in the NBA or yep. the New York Yankees in Major League Baseball and the teams that consistently have those uh, presence, uh, their presence felt in uh, in the finals or in the World Series or wherever, Stanley Cup, uh, these are teams that are always a constant. And I, I think there's a lot to be said about trying to root for the underdog. I think a lot of that is what you're seeing now with the Kansas oh. City Chiefs and some of the coverage that they're getting. I don't think it's necessarily um, you know anything where they, they have it out for the Patriots or anything to that effect, yeah. but sometimes it can feel that way because Pats fans are still waving and saying, hey, you know what, we still have a long way of sustained excellence, but there's also yeah. that next in line where that the king is dead, long live the king type thing, where you want to see the successor and who is going to be the next big thing. And I think a lot of that, sometimes it's rushed, and I get that argument, but then there, you know, there is the other uh, converse uh, side to that as well. Hey, let, let, let's not forget something. Um, it wasn't long ago the Patriots weren't winning the Super Bowl. Okay, they lost to Philadelphia. Okay. So Philadelphia right. is supposed to be the next big thing, okay? So what happened the year after? New England became the t first team in 40-something years to win a Super Bowl the year after losing the Super Bowl. Absolutely. That had, not happened. that had not happened since 1972, and it's only ever happened three times. So um, Super Bowl five, Super Bowl six, and Super Bowl 53, okay? Absolutely. So that, that's something as well. So – um, you know, and, you know, they beat Atlanta in Super Bowl 51. Did they win the Super Bowl the following year? No, Denver won it. Did Denver stick around? They haven't made the playoffs since. It's true. It really is. And it is so difficult to climb that mountain. And that's one of the things I think that, you know, is – Again, it's one of the things that I admire most about you, Russell, is that you take that level-headed approach. You don't look at the, super, the end of Super Bowl 54 and say, this is the start of a dynasty that's going to rattle off four, mm -hmm. five, six championships in a row. It very well could happen, but we simply just don't know that yet. And to automatically assume that 
really, I think, negates how difficult it is to win a championship. In a way, I think it does Kansas City a disservice as well because it makes it look like what they just did was very easy. It wasn't. They had to go through some very difficult teams. They faced a very difficult team in Super Bowl 54, and credit them. They were the last team standing because, like you said, at the right time, they were playing the best football of any other team out there, and that's one of the big reasons why they had the success that they had. You and I like our movie moments. I know we do The Godfather a lot, but when I think about how we how we think how people kind of anoint these things so quickly, I'll throw one at you. I think of Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park when he looks at Dr. Hammond and says, "Before you even knew what you had, you sold it, you promoted it, you slapped it on a plastic lunchbox." Absolutely, and that leads into one of my favorite quotes from that movie is, you were so worried about whether or not you could, you didn't stop to think if you should. And I think in a, a lot of people in our business really started to analyze that quote. Uh, there might be a little bit more harmony on social media. But uh, speaking of... I think you just summed up Twitter. So, uh, absolutely, that's it. That's, uh, that really is with Twitter. I really completely agree. And speaking of Twitter and the trending topic... Russell, my final question for you today is about a certain signal caller in New England that may or may not have played his last game under center in Foxborough. And, of course, the biggest story in New England is the status of Tom Brady for 2020. And it will be until a definitive answer has been provided. I've gone on record to say that I believe Tom will be back. But many have that I've spoken with that cover the team there's a lot of mixed feelings on that. Some agree with me and say that they believe he will be, but there are a lot that take the converse opinion, and there are arguments, definitely good arguments, to support that. New Englanders, I think, as a whole are optimistic, but there is some uneasiness. And in the national circles that you run with, what have you seen as the prevailing opinion in terms of Tom's future in New England or elsewhere? And should you choose to accept your missing impossible question, my friend, do you believe... <laughs> that Tom Brady will be a New England Patriot in 2020. No pressure, I not the hot seat or anything like that. <laughs> oh, I'm sad. I mean, listen, I think there is, if, if just judging from what I read, okay, and this is a, a, a you know, I would say a great sample size, the sentiment seems to be that he won't be back. But I think that sentiment is also based on the fact that there are some people, because they for lack of a better word, and including some of our media brethren, are rooting for the dynasty to... I mean, I've seen shows. I'm not going to start calling them out. Dynasty ends on, you know, on a little scoreboard. I mean, embarrassing, frankly. Okay? Um, Thank you. So those people who have been preaching that are probably hoping he doesn't come back. I don't know... And by the way, can we please stop reading subliminally into commercials? Um, you know, people. <laughs> oh my! Uh, how about making a phone call? Okay, I, I mean, I get the shock jock mentality and the talk shows and the debate shows and all that stuff, but a, a picture in a tunnel—that's. I mean, you know, if you were a private investigator, you'd be fired in an hour. Okay. <laughs> I mean, just. Crazy. Listen, this is, you know what this reminds me of? Totally different scope of player, but a pretty good player, but the ability to do something he's never been able to do. Anquan Bolton, who's had a hell of a career in the NFL, by the way. 
Okay? Absolutely. Cardinals traded to the Ravens, traded to the 49ers, successful Super Bowl champion, okay? Mm -hmm. Never got the chance to test free agency until his latter years. And he took his time, and he enjoyed the process. And I think Tom, who was about to embark on this for the first time in his career, and it happened, and, and this is a factor, too, that I don't think some people don't keep in mind. It's an unusual year when it comes to this position. There are two pretty, other, two pretty good other guys on the all-time passing list, Drew Brees and Philip Rivers, who are also getting to make decisions. Now, Philip Rivers' decision has been made by the team who said they are not going to bring him back. Drew Brees is contemplating his future. Um, but if you want to pin me down, I think Tom either steps away from the game or he comes back to New England. I have a tough time envisioning. I, I just can't. I'm not going to say I have a tough time envisioning me in a different uniform, because history will tell you that no one is beyond being in a different. Listen, if Wayne Gretzky can get traded, and right. in, in the end, well, anything goes. Okay, um, but that's kind of how I feel. Okay, and I don't know. Listen, they have other. We already mentioned they have other players they need to get resigned and. And it's a prominent players is a team that was, you know, defensive-oriented. They've got some good defensive players. I, I, I know they obviously either want to bring back or are going to have to find suitable replacements for him and so on. But um, they're going to have to make some changes. And I don't know if they, you know, are going to say, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we want you back type of thing. But, you know, for me at the end of the year, especially in the second half of the year, but more really down late, uh, for, to use a boxing expression, Mike, the Patriots look like a shot fighter. Um, they look like they got a lot taken out of them losing that home game to Miami um, at the end. And um, I'm not saying they didn't play. It has nothing to do with effort or playing hard. But they just look like they were out of gas against the Tennessee Titans. And the last thing they needed to see was a runaway refrigerator um, who just ran over everything in its path in the form of Derrick Henry. So, um, and I know Tom Brady doesn't play uh, defense, um, but this is a team that has invented the word situational football. And I don't think they got an all year, to be honest with you. It really wasn't a year where they played a lot of situational football. They, I mean, they had a bunch of turnovers returned for touchdowns. As good as their special team was in creating things, they also had their gaps on there as well. It's fun. They, they probably played their best game of the season, my own opinion, in week one against the Steelers. And, you know, by week four, they were in a tussle with the Buffalo Bills where they looked horrible in the second half of that game but still managed to win. Their resourcefulness with Brady and Belichick was what enabled them to get to 12-4. and four. And, by the way, they had a better record this year than they did last year when they won the Super Bowl. They did, but that's a very good point. Right. But in the, in the playoffs last year, they were able to reinvent themselves with power football. Right. And they weren't able to come up with that same kind of formula. And, uh, I, I mean, the blame is, is in numer numerous places. I don't think there's any question about it. It's a defense that's built more on the back end than the front end. And, um, you know, when your defense isn't able to do what it did early in the season – 
um, it's hard for an offense that never really, honestly, really found its groove this year to all of a sudden be able to carry the load. It was a very uneven year for the for the Patriots, um, and and kind of an uneven year for Tom Brady as well. It was, and I'm so glad that you brought up those points, especially the unevenness of the year, because I don't think that's something that's a narrative that's pushed nearly enough, and not necessarily a narrative. I think it's the fact. I think it's absolutely just something that, you know, you use your eyes, you use your common sense, and you can see that in terms of how the season ebbed and flowed. There were times where the Patriots' defense looked stifling to the point where no one could score any points on them, and then there were times where they looked very porous against the run, and you mentioned them being built better on the back end and the front end. I think you saw that a lot, and unfortunately it reared its ugly head for Patriots fans anyway at the worst possible time when it came to the wild card uh, weekend against the Tennessee Titans. Getting back to your point on Brady, and I think that in a lot of ways that seems to be the prevailing sentiment up here is that he either walks away from the game or he ends up coming back to New England seems to be the general consensus. I think a lot of what you're seeing in terms of the narrative about, oh, well, look at, you know, he could end up in Las Vegas. He could end up in Los Angeles. He could end up in Miami. These are a lot of prevailing um, rumors out there right now. Some of it may be because of a bias one way or another, but I think a lot of it, too, in terms of that is what we like to call in our business uh, click fodder because it really does work. All of a sudden, you see a picture of Tom Brady on Twitter wearing a uh, photoshopped Miami Dolphins jersey or a photoshopped Raiders jersey, and it's going to get you a click. It's going to people are going to want to see it, even if they know the narrative of what's coming. There's still that curiosity of how yeah. this is all going to shake out. I appreciate well, a level-headed approach. <laughs> I know this, and with all due respect, um, you know, every time Tom or there's been talk about him purchasing a house or moving somewhere, um, all of a sudden that's where he's going to wind up. Right. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't know if any real estate broker uh, in, in this country is concerned, considered an NFL source. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think so either. And someone with the vast resources that a Tom Brady, Giselle Bunchen power couple has at their disposal, I don't necessarily think where they're moving or where they're looking to purchase property is a really good indicator of where he's going to end up. So I do appreciate that, and I think our listeners appreciate hearing something like that as well, Russell. <laughs> yeah, my my guess is if Giselle Bunchen, and I don't know how much money she makes, but I'm sure there are maybe three or four small countries she could purchase. Um, you know, <laughs> is, is what's next? I mean, we're, we're, depending on where he moves, I guess next. Um, you know, maybe he'll play for the Yankees if he stays in New York. I don't know. So, hey, who knows? You know what? They have pretty deep pockets, and there's no salary cap in Major League Baseball, so that could be a destination if Tom is looking to chase the coin. And at the end of the day, I don't believe that's what it's all about. I think it's the good situation, the perfect situation for him to compete for a championship. I still believe that's going to be New England, but ultimately we'll see how that shakes out when it comes to the Patriots, when it comes to Tom, and when it comes to the landscape of the NFL. Russell, what can I say? I thank you so much for taking the time out today to close out the week here on Locked On Patriots. Your level-headed, objective approach is exactly the reason why I brought you on. We always have a good rapport. We always have a good a working uh, and, uh, and a professional relationship, but I admire you a tremendous amount, my friend, and I thank you for doing that today. Before I let you go, please let our listeners here at Locked On Patriots, if they don't already know, where they can find you on social media, and where they can always read your amazing work. 
Well, that's very, very kind of you, and I'm glad PayPal is working. Um, you should you should be getting something <laughs> from um, Bax Football Guru um, is uh, you know part of the ProFootballGuru.com. I should say SIProFootballGuru.com uh, com is the website. Of course, my amazing partner Julie Boyd, uh, Julie Noted underscore PFG, and of course PFG Vibe. Those are our three. Twitter accounts, as I said last night, we're going to be very busy off-season work. My stuff with Fanside, NFL Spin Zone, Elite Sports New York. I just put out a piece uh, this morning on the on the five uh, top running backs available for free agency. We'll see if they actually get the free agency. Derrick Henry tops on the list. Will the will the Tennessee Titans put a tag on him? Will they get him re-signed? We'll see. But some other good names like Carlos Hyde and Melvin Gordon. Um, so I won't give out the rest. You're going to have to read. Um, obviously, uh, Pro Football Guru and PFG Vibe have Facebook pages as well. Um, we're both on Instagram, Julie, uh, PFG Vibe, Pro Football Guru, um, you name it. But as I said, if you follow any one of us, especially me, um, and you like football, everything I write, everything I have to say, I put on Twitter. Um, and uh, as Liam Neeson once said, I have a special set of skills. And I'll paraphrase, I'll find you, and I'll follow you. <laughs> and what better way to end the week on Locked On Patriots than a quote from one of my favorite movies taken from one of my favorite actors, Liam Neeson. Russell, thank you so much today for lending your wisdom and counsel. Always my honor to share the microphone with you, and I look forward to having you back on as we progress toward the 2020 NFL season, my friend. Have a great weekend. You got it. Very kind of you, sir. And on that note, we close out the week that was here on Locked On Patriots. I hope that you enjoyed absorbing the fair and objective wisdom and counsel of Russell Baxter as much as I did. Having the opportunity to welcome guests like Russell here to Locked On Patriots only adds to the honor I feel each and every day to continue to be the host of this podcast. And if you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Patriots is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Patriots fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On Patriots gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. But not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Patriots fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help you achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. As for me, I will be back on Monday. And this coming week on the Locked On Podcast Network will be an exciting one. It'll be the beginning of the ultimate divisional crossover. Each and every day next week, I will be joined by my colleagues from Locked On Bills, Locked On Jets, and Locked On Dolphins. That's right, the AFC East will be covered, and it will be covered from all angles. So please be sure to keep a sharp eye out for next week's podcasts. As always, you can find me each and every day here on the Locked On Patriots podcast. Subscribe and download via your preferred podcast provider. Once again, I thank Russell Baxter for his time, his insight, and his appearance today. But most of all, I thank you so much for listening and for staying locked in to Locked On Patriots. Have a great weekend, everyone.